the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today is going to be like a, a one-off Sunday. First thing I want to say is we've got these Christmas cards. They're just through there. We haven't got crazy amounts this year. I'm going to encourage everyone to take maybe five or six if you want to. The cool thing is, for those of you who love colouring, you'll love it. For those of you who don't, you can just send it like, like as is. But especially like obviously if you have kids and that. So we're going to be doing a series over Christmas. We're going to be talking about angels. Uh, just because I thought let's mix it up for Christmas. And so we're going to, you can colour these in and then you can... Not only do you get a free Christmas card, so you've saved yourself mad pee. I don't know, because they're pretty expensive nowadays. Um, but also, it's got all the information in there for anyone you know who may want to come to the Christmas service. Because Christmas is the one time of year when you can invite someone and they generally tend to say yes. So there's information about the City Light Kids Party. I need to work out something new for that because um, it's like fully booked. So I need to kind of create some new spaces. So we'll see what happens. But then obviously, not next Sunday, the Sunday after is the City Light Christmas party. Father Christmas is going to be in the building. So even those adults here today that want to get a picture of Father Christmas, he will be here in full attire. He has RSVP'd. He's going to be in the building. And we'll be giving loads of uh, toys away, just like we did for the Frozen party. It's going to be loads of fun. It's going to be a really good time. The Sunday after that will be our Christmas service. And then the 29th, there will be no church. It's going to be amazing. We're all just, because what's the point? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's that time of year where everyone does that thing where it's just like, let's just drag out a church service for the sake of dragging out a church service. No, let's not. Let's just spend time with our family. Let's recover from Christmas. That was meant to be the happiest time of the year, but it's been the most stressful time of the year. So let's just have a Sunday where we all lay in bed and have fried egg, whatever. Or if you don't eat eggs. <laughs> Tough. You're going to eat egg that day. No, you're not. Just, you're screwed. I feel sorry for you. I'll be praying for you because I love egg. So, today we're going to be doing something like a bit of a standalone message. It's a one-off. It doesn't fit in a series or anything like that. But there's going to be a few things we're going to follow up with. We're going to be looking at one of the bizarre passages of the Bible just because it caught my attention this week and I just found it mad interesting. So, we're looking at 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. So 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. If you have the City Hill London app on your phone, uh, you can read the same translation as me. Now, when Elisha had fallen sick with illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So just to pull back one second. So Joash, the king of Israel, went to him. He's heard that Elisha is sick. And he, he believes that Elisha is going to die, that this is terminal, he's not going to be around anymore. And so the king comes straight to him and he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Basically, he's scared. He's like, the prophet's going to die. He's going to be gone. He's the one I've always gone to when things have kicked off, when things are pretty scary. And for them, it is very scary because Syria is a nation along their border that actually is always invading, is always attacking them and always has the upper hand. And he's very fearful of them. Then you've got like, from the surrounding nations and tribes around them, others that raid them and others that constantly attack them, like the Moabites. All these different people are ganged up against them and every time there's been a, a moment where they've been fearful, the king has gone to Elisha and when he goes to Elisha, he's like, Elisha, like, I need you, I need you, I need God, I need, I need help, I'm afraid, how are we gonna do this? And every time Elisha has been used by God to deliver the people. And so now the king is seeing that Elisha is dying he is so scared. So he's like, my dad, my dad, my father, my father. 
because what about the battle? What about the war? What about the guys around us? Like, if you're gone, like, how are we going to kind of do this? And Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows and he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. He drew it. Elisha laid his hand on the king's hands. He said, open the window eastward. He opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Assyrians until you have made an end of them. And he said to them, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. He struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. I found this story fascinating. And we're going to read a little bit further on as well, a little bit later on. But the thing that hit me about this story is sometimes when I read the Bible, I feel like God really speaking to me and I feel like he's kind of like taking a picture of like the story and there's normally like one character that kind of like really speaks into my situation. There's a few characters and there's a few side dishes that appear in the next couple of verses. And I just found this is the first time I think I've ever read the Bible where every single character I felt like, I feel like they're simultaneously at the same time, all of them are speaking to me. And this one was a bit weird. I feel like Elisha had fallen sick with illness and he was to die. I feel like there are some times when I feel like I'm running on empty, I've got nothing left and there's a situation around me that's a big deal and needs a solution. And I'm like, I've literally got Got nothing and sometimes I feel like we we miss opportunities because we feel like we're empty we feel like we're barren we feel like we're coming to him we feel spiritually dead we don't feel like we're in a good place and the opportunity is there and we're like well hey you know someone else is gonna have to step into this because the place that I'm in right now but Elisha is on his deathbed and he's still like ready to give a word for the Lord he's still ready to, to bang out he's still ready to bring what he has to the table and then I've also felt like the king the king is there and he's looking and the safe pair of hands that have always looked after him the one he's always looked to for support the one he's always trusted the one who's always been the relationship that he's come to when everything's falling about him the trusted advisor he can talk to about the deepest darkest fears that he has in his being is fading away and he's scared and I think about that too I think that's been my life for a long time because my parents are so much older so my dad uh, a week or two ago uh, celebrated his 82nd birthday and so there's that very strong reality that actually my father my father like he's going to be gone and there's something unique about your parents. You see, other people will never look at you with the same eyes. I can go to my parents and tell them the biggest stupid failures I make, and there's still these loving eyes looking back at me. I tell someone else, and the eyes aren't quite the same. My parents, I can ask them for help, and I just know they're always going to be there, and they'll always help. If they can help, they'll do it. No one else sees it quite the same. And I think there's a fear in me, not just with them, but also... I think in the last week I've gone through a number of different trials and difficult situations and it's just felt like the steady hands I'm used to being there haven't been there and there's been this kind of fear and so I can relate with the king coming with his fear. But then Elisha just gives something so wonderful and so profound and he says, open the window eastward and he opens it and he fires this arrow. Like the arrow isn't hitting anyone, the arrow isn't doing anything. But Elisha has this confidence that actually sometimes when God gives you a word, when God wants to do something, when you're asking God to do something, Elisha's like, there's a point where you have to engage with it. There's a point when you have to step into it. There's a point where you have to show God that you you believe what he's saying, that you're with him, that you're involved in this, and you're going to step out and you're going to do it. And so he does exactly as Elisha says, and he fires the arrow. 
And then he says to him, that this is, he, he, he lets him know what, it, what time it is. He doesn't just go, you fired the arrow and says nothing. He's fired the arrow. He says, this is the arrow of victory. This is the enemy that has caused you the most problems. This is the enemy you're most anxious about. This is the situation that is causing you to tremble, keeping you awake at night, that's giving you panic attacks and your heart is palpitating and you can't stop thinking about, this is that enemy and this arrow is an arrow of victory. And so he goes, okay. So he goes, so now it's time to take the arrows. He says, pick up the arrows, and he goes, I want you to strike the ground. And the king grabs the arrows, and he just strikes the ground three times. And then Elisha is absolutely vexed. He's absolutely fuming. He says to him, you struck the ground three times. If you'd done it five or six times, like, like Syria wouldn't be an issue in your life anymore. But because you did that, you're just going to have three, three victories, three measly victories you're going to have, and that's it. I've been thinking about this week. I don't think it's, it's a case of numbers. I think it's a case of heart. I think the king had been given this opportunity, and he's just there just, just going through the motions. He's not connected to the vision. He's not connected. We talked about it a couple of weeks back about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about enthusiasm, where the word comes from, entheos, in God or the God within and that no great thing is achieved without enthusiasm. And this king, like, he's not meeting what God is going to do for him with enthusiasm. He's been told it will be an end of Syria ever being a problem for your people ever again. The biggest issue you have is going to be removed, and he can't even meet it with enthusiasm. He can't even meet it with enthusiasm. He can't even meet it with like a hunger, a desire. Like, man, if I think back to being a kid and if God had said to me, hey, that kid that is bullying you and making the misery, like, it's going to come to an end. That situation isn't going to happen anymore. And then am I going to step up? Am I going to just three little taps? Or am I going to be overcome with emotion? Am I going to be broken, weeping on the floor, just smacking in the ground until every single arrow is just pieces in my hand? Is that what we would be like if it was like our financial situation where all our debts and all our problems are going to be cleared? If that's what it's going to be like when we'd be told, hey, your marriage is going to be on this straight, perfect path and everything's going to be amazing. It's going to be the marriage you dreamed you'd have. Would you be there just, just tapping? If it was like your work situation where maybe there's a boss that's just a real problem, maybe it's like you're, you've lost all hope in your job and you don't really care about what you're doing anymore, you don't even love it or appreciate it, and you get told this situation is going to change, And then, and then I started to think, actually, you know, I can really identify with, with Elisha. I can also identify with the king. And I can identify with the situations that I talked to God about again and again and again and again. And I had this moment where I started to realize it this week. Last Sunday, as I left here, I was driving home on, on my own because Eden wasn't well. So she was at home with Aria and with Jody. And as I was driving, I had this really weird thing. I was going past like two in common. And I felt like God said to me, I want to meet with you. And... It was, like a, it was like spider sense tingling. It was weird. I'm just driving. And I just feel this. He wants to meet me. Okay. So I'm like, cool. Well, I'm here. Nothing. I go through the week. I go from one bad situation to a worse situation to a worse situation. And each situation I come to, I'm like, God, you said you wanted to have the meeting. I want to have the meeting. This, this, this sucks. This is horrible right now. And then it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, God, you said you wanted to meet. Like... If you don't want to meet now, like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it through this week. I'm losing my mind. Nothing. Then I'm like, you know what, God? You know where you can take that meeting? And then I'm like, I'm so sorry, God. Like, I can still do a meeting with you right now. I'd really appreciate it. And then it's like, 
Ron Burgundy, I'm in a glass case of emotion. Like that, just losing the plot. Where, where, where are you? And I feel like last night I had a moment where I feel like I started to have a bit of a meeting with him and he started to school me about all the different characters in this story and he started to show me and my failures and my inadequacies in all of them. And I feel like what he wanted to do was to share something for all of us, but for us to maybe start to step into the things that he has for us. He said, take the arrows. And he said, strike the ground with them. He struck it three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry and said, you've struck five or six times. You would have struck down Syria and you made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Only three times. Like your problems will be gone. But like sometimes God calls us to do stuff. Sometimes God gives an opportunity for us. Sometimes he, he tells us he wants to bring healing into our lives. And then we meet that word with like a meh response. We meet it with kind of like, without the enthusiasm, without the, the connection to it. And... The only way to please God is through faith, is what the Bible says. And here, this guy misses out. And then here's the last part of the story. So verse 20, so Elisha died, they buried him. Now, I've, I've got to admit, I've read this story thousands of times. And I was messaging Zach last night in Texas going like, dude, what the heck? How have I read this story thousands of times and I've forgotten that this even happens? Like, this is just absolute. Some stories in the Bible are ridiculous. This one isn't even ridiculous. It's redonkulous. It's so far gone. So Elisha died and they buried him. Now, bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, behold, the marauding band was seen. And the man was like, stuff that. It says in the Hebrew, the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. I was like, what the heck? This is the weirdest story. And then it doesn't carry on saying anything about this guy, anything about his life. It doesn't say anything about his meaning. It's just like the funniest, most bizarre story. So a guy is, Elisha's died. He's been buried. Later on in the year, the Moabites have turned up to bang out. They want to come and steal their grain. They want to come and rob them. And as they're being robbed, this guy's like walking along, taking like this body to throw it in. Because the way their tombs were, they weren't like in the rocks like that. They were like in the ground and they were pretty much left open. So it's open and where Elisha's body was laid, this guy's going along and he's about to bury this guy in his grave that should be for him. He sees the Moabites, he's like, screw that, and just flips the barrel and just chucks the body straight in the nearest hole. He doesn't realize he throws it in Elisha's hole. And then as soon as his body touches that one, the guy just gets up again. And then I was just like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's stories in the Bible where something like this happens and you're like, wow, it has a meaning. It has a purpose. I'm like trying to find out what do the rabbis say about this story? What do people say about this story? I'm like, no one says anything about this story that makes any flipping sense. And then I started to have a thought about it and I started to think about it and I started to think about it some more. So Elisha died, they buried him. Now the band of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as the man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen. The man was shook and he threw the body in the grave of Elisha. As soon as it touched him, it stood up and revived him and stood to his feet. I felt like this week, one of the cool opportunities of the year, one of my favorite times of the year is Easter, but Christmas is second best. I love it, it's pretty good fun. I mean, I don't love Christmas as much because Easter is so much more affordable, you know what I mean? It's like a time of year I can invite someone to church without like breaking the bank on every other thing going on in my life. It's just, it's the best and the worst time of the year. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. The Taylor two cities, the Taylor two holidays. Like man, Easter is just so much more affordable. But there are some incredible opportunities that come about with 
Christmas. There are incredible opportunities that come about with Easter that I love. And the thing about this story that I think grabbed me so much is the accidental nature of it. So when we look at the beginning part, we look at a king who's afraid of something that is coming his way. And God wants to step into it. He wants to open opportunities for him. He wants to create vision for him. He wants him to engage in it. He wants to deliver the people. And then in this second part of the story, just stuff happens. It's not the strategic part of life where you're happening to life, but it's where life is happening to you. And in in the midst of both situations, God does something absolutely incredible. And I think the thing I love about it is this story looks so accidental. It's not like before where you see someone say, go and do this thing. And when you do this thing, God will meet with you and do that. It's like this guy just sees these guys coming. is like, screw it. Throws the body in the grave, legs it. And then the guy comes back to life. And I started to think about this time of year. Actually, one of the craziest things that you and I can do is take one of these arrows and maybe take five or six of these arrows because there may be one single friend colleague at work or family member who comes along to our Christmas service, didn't really think much about it, didn't really intend it, didn't really want to do it, didn't really care about it, just thought, ah, it's Christmas, what the heck, I'll I'll go to church. And then just like this guy thrown in the wrong grave at the wrong time that was never intended for him, he ends up experiencing resurrection power. And I think one of the great things about Jesus and why I want him to be the center of my life is that I believe there are moments of absolute random accident that he just brings resurrection power to. Moments where it feels like everything's chaotic and everything's falling apart, but the times when he met with a little boy who was being bullied and gave him peace. And then the times when it felt like everything was just surrounding me and everything was too much and when gangs were trying to cause me and my friends harm and yet God would miraculously save me again and again. And then I can think of the times later on in life where I was suicidal and yet he met with me at the moment when I'm about to step in front of the fast train and he speaks a word into my life accidentally and it just brings resurrection and it brings newness of life. And then I can think of the times when I've been carrying people I know who are, who are pretty much dead, who are like gone, they're on the way. I'm not talking physically, I'm talking spiritually, emotionally. They're vacant, they're empty bodies that are just there. They've lost it, they're depressed, they're down. And then you've had a word and all of a sudden you know they've touched the bones of something sacred and then they come to life. And Christmas is a time of year where someone you know who would never ever step through the door, who would never ever listen to anything, who would never engage with anything. It's a time of year where you and I get to go, you know what, this Christmas, this is, a, this is just an arrow. That's all it is but I'm gonna pick up my bow, I'm gonna think this week, I'm gonna start praying about where I open my window, about who I'm gonna cast this arrow over, and I'm gonna take five or six of these to my, whether it's my workplace, to my family, or to that person I know right now who's struggling with life and having a knock, and I'm gonna write him a Christmas card, I'm gonna color in a funky angel, and it sounds like the dumbest arrow, but you see, the king had the opportunity to see an incredible victory, but instead all he did was he just did a little tap on the ground. But actually, I decided that this week, I'm gonna really pray about who I'm gonna give one of these to, and I decided this week, I'm gonna start smashing some arrows on the ground in my life. I decided that this week on Monday morning, I'm not letting Monday happen to me, I'm happening to Monday. And I've decided that this week, it doesn't matter what situation or kid is kicking off at work, I'm going in to love a kid to transform his life, because I know that even accidentally, if the body, when I'm afraid, gets thrown in the grave, it could bring around resurrection. And I know that even if I just cast a vision, even if I just cast a dream and I step out, and I know if I start smashing arrows on the ground with conviction, I know that God is gonna back it. 
But the problem we have is so often when it comes to those moments, we don't ever back it with conviction. We don't ever back it with enthusiasm. And so God's looking and he's going, you want the world from me. You want everything in this situation. You want peace of mind. You want healing in that relationship. You want those scars that have hurted you all your life to go away. You want all these things, but you don't want to come in any sort of faith or enthusiasm to me. It's like you don't believe I'm going to do this for you. It's like you don't believe that I'm going to be there with you, that I'm going to bring you through it. You, you think that it's dead and gone. You're, you're too busy worried about the Moabites and the, the Syrians and all other kinds of things that are going on around you. But actually, you need to be focused and concerned on me because I'm the one who's going to bring resurrection power. I'm the one who's going to turn your life around. I'm the one who's going to take one of these arrows and the person you're worried about most is going to experience something. The last thing I want to talk about is we're going to be having designed potentially this week because of this story of Elisha. I felt like we're going to have a, I'm going to create a weekly work template, which you can use for any period. You can use it for a week, you can use it for a month, you can use it for a year. And if you're one of those people that's crazy strategic, you could go, here's my five years. But I'm not that, I am that guy and I'm not that guy at the same time but a weekly sheet, and the sheet is gonna open up going, where am I opening my window? What am I firing my arrow over of God's victory? And then there's gonna be six arrows, six tasks that that week I'm gonna smash. Like I'm not, like, I'm not gonna smash everything, because like going to work and smashing everything is gonna kill me. But what are those six arrows that I'm gonna smash this week? I'm gonna do that over my work, I'm gonna do that over my family, and I'm gonna do that over my church. I'm gonna have my three sheets of six on each of them. And I'm gonna do that believing that God is gonna do something for me. So I'm gonna create something on our website. I might make a page for six arrows eventually, have a little video explanation working through the worksheet. But for those of you guys here, I'll put it up on the website and I'll check out our social media because it will go up there first and you'll be able to download the worksheet. And if you want at the beginning of the week to be able to have on your desk at work, those six areas and just be like, I'm gonna believe God for this. I'm gonna fire the arrow in this direction. These are the six things that when I do them this week, I'm not gonna do them tapping on the ground. I'm gonna smash this thing because I believe that God's gonna do something for me. I'm gonna pray for us today and then that'll be it for this service. Father, I thank you for arrows. I thank you for vision. I thank you that you speak words into situations we care about. I thank you that though the king was afraid and filled with fear, you gave him the opportunity to come to you and to engage with you. I thank you, God, that even though he didn't meet it with the faith he should have, he still got three victories. He still got some transformation and some salvation for cities of people who would have been lost in war if he hadn't have even done what he did in obedience. I pray, Lord God, that this week would be an opportunity for us to meet and connect with what you want to do in our lives because each one of us is surrounded by our own anxieties, our own fears, our own failures, our own inadequacy. But God, I just know I just know, Lord, that you want to call us to fire some arrows over it. I just know, God, that you want to call us to see more of you in each of those situations and to experience the resurrection power that that random dead guy does that's thrown in the wrong grave. Because sometimes, God, we stumble through accidents but actually find you in the midst of it. And Father, I pray for each one of us today, Lord God, that as we take five Christmas cards, we're going to pray over who we're going to give them to, believing that one of those is going to accidentally turn up, fall into a grave and experience resurrection. Lord God, I pray and I thank you for your grace and your goodness to each one of us. And I pray for those of us here, Lord God, who maybe feel like we're already the dead person and we need resurrection. I pray this week, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll bring newness of life to each one of us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.